This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Good evening, Hearts of Oak. Thank you once again for joining us on this uh, lovely, it's a Monday, Monday evening. And before I uh, catch up with Calvin, I just want to make sure that we are live on all the platforms. We even stuck it on YouTube because we thought Calvin might be safe on YouTube. Ah. Uh, <laughs> but we will see. But uh, as he is a, a figure of hate from yesterday or today. Anyway, we'll get into all of that. Uh, if my mod team can let me know if we are live. I see that we're on. Uh, we're on Getter. Drop your comments in. Let me know kind of how you're watching. Always good to see where people are watching. Uh, so jump in, put your comments there. I'll they'll get pulled in on YouTube, on DLive, on Facebook. I'll see them on Getter. If you're on Rumble, I won't see them, but don't worry. I'll look at them later. If you're watching on the website, on CloudHub, on Twitch, uh, I think that's about it. On Twitter. So it's great to have you on all those platforms. Or if you're listening after on Podbean or any of the podcasting apps, it's great to have you listening on the go um and my mod team are telling me everything is good so calvin robinson it is great to have you back with us once again thank you for your time it is my pleasure although the last time i came on here it gave me such a headache as a result this is all this is elderly chap who saw that i was on your show and he emails every bishop and everyone uh at gb news like anyone that i've any business with us is Calvin Robinson went on Hearts of Oak. Do you know that Hearts of Oak are associated with Tommy Robinson? Therefore, Calvin Robinson is a racist. I'm like, oh my God, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I, I actually remember sitting down about that certain individual and sitting talking to those uh, much uh, older and wiser than myself. And they said, well, it comes with the territory. There's nothing much you could do. So, yeah, no uh, th th thank you for coming along once again. And, uh, Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you can, of course, to the uh, everyone watching, you can, of course, catch Calvin at Calvin Robinson on all the social media platforms, on Twitter, on Getter, uh, also on uh, Substack. Was it? I guess it's just Calvin Robinson, Doc Substack, or yeah, vice versa. Thank you like, for that. You can follow Calvin there. You can also, if you want, which a great thing about Substack, which is not something that we've delved into, but I know many others do, you can also give. So if you read Calvin's uh, many words of wisdom that come into your inbox and want to actually financially support Calvin as he does what he does, and you can click and you can donate. So um, do consider that if you enjoy those emails it takes calvin time to put all those thoughts down on those emails so that is an option for you in supporting calvin and what he does um let me see if i can just pull in one or two comments on on getter and then lise david sainsbury says good evening peter and calvin x julie x says hello calvin you do hear from twitter i appreciate you speaking common sense speakers corner good evening from swansea trevor 0707 hello gentlemen thanks for your christmas message calvin uh, drop your comments in and we'll see if we can have a glance at them as we go along and tonight 
many topics that Calvin is an expert on. We wanted to talk about, the title was How the Cancer of Liberalism Has Infected the Church. Uh, and it fits in I think very much to what Calvin even has been putting on social media, even over the last few days, the many aspects of the issues that we face as a society um, and the, the silence that we see from the church. Um, but Calvin, you obviously you start your Sundays at your church, leading your church in London, and then over to GB News uh, in the afternoon. Um, I think you're the only person I've come across who actually leads a church in the morning, the faithful flock in the morning, and then leads a conversation in the afternoon on TV. Um, tell us about that role, because both of them are fairly recent. Um, uh, so let us know kind of how that works, how you put those two together. I absolutely love it. It's the best of both worlds. Uh, it's what the bishops call bivocational. So my, my vocation is to priestly ministry and obviously I'm a deacon but I will be priested this year um, and that means for most people living and working in a parish so I get to do I get to do the parish work I get to be in a real world environment with real people with real issues um, administering the sacraments or at least uh, supporting someone administering them for now um, and dealing with pastoral issues and at the same time having a public media ministry where I'm able to proclaim the truth uh, to the best of my ability uh, to a wider audience. And I think it's, it's so important for me. So people say like, you know, why didn't you go full time in television? And, and there was an option to do that. And I just didn't feel that that was my calling. And I, I feel like I need to be rooted in a real world place. And this is again, why people say, why don't you stream your services? Because my church is centered on a place. And it, I want people to belong to that community and I want people to come and be a part of it. It's not something you just dial into. And I don't actually, I don't really believe that you can truly uh, be at church over the internet. I know a lot of people did it over lockdown, but uh, we're not in lockdown now, so I think people should get to church. Uh, eventually, I might stream part of it, like the sermons or something like that. But anyway, I've got the show on, in the afternoon, so if, if people want to see some truth, they can tune into that. But of course, it's the show is current events from a faith perspective. It's not necessarily a sermon. It's more just addressing issues that are going on around us from a religious perspective. And uh, I was... In Sunday morning, as um, uh, as I have done since probably I was born, <laughs> being along to church on Sunday morning, um, and I know that some of our viewers will attend church, some will not. But can it's it's quite a um, unique position, not just doing what you do, but I think you bring something different to GB News as well, because you bring a, as you say, specific fit perspective as a Christian leader, you're speaking into that. And you're looking at things not just from a secular position, but from someone of faith. And that's, again, it's not just different on GB News, but it's, I don't think there's anything else really in the UK that you can uh, turn on your TV apart from some of the Christian channels and get that. And um, I guess what made you think of doing that? Because you could have just, as a Christian, you could have done your normal suit and tie and sit there and be a presenter with faith, but you bring your faith to you uh, as you present. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it's something that I decided to do. I, I feel it's part of my calling. And the reason I wear my dog collar on my, on my show is because it's a sign of witness. It's public witness. Yeah. It's a testament to the faith, uh, to Christ. Uh, and I, I think people get something out of that, not just on TV, but in, in real world as well. Um, I've had, a couple of occasions where because of 
my profile because people know where they can find me and contact me after being out and about in london people have got in touch and said you know what i saw you in such and such place in your collar and it reminded me of something situation some situation or reminded me to go to church or reminded me that christ is with me thank you for that public witness now i i'm very grateful that i can receive those messages because people sometimes people know who i am but it just it reminds me that for all the clergymen in the country that are going around day to day in their collar uh, being faithful witnesses they are having an impact on other people's lives whether they know it or not i think that's so important because there are a lot of people these days that say oh you don't need a dog collar to be a clergyman of course you don't need one it's not about need but there are lots of um lower church people that wouldn't bother and i think that's a great shame because it's, it's an easy form of witness and if you're sat in that coffee shop with your car on and someone has an issue that has been on their mind and they want to they want to seek spiritual guidance on it but they wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable going to church you bring church to them and that's important too uh, yeah. but yeah it, it's been a battle there's lots of people who wouldn't like to see it on their television uh lots of people within television that wouldn't like to see it on in, in their studio uh and I battle every way i can uh you'll notice i don't wear a cassock anymore but i do wear my suit with my collar uh, that's a compromise that I made. Um, but yes, everything is a battle in life, isn't it? Especially if you're trying to do something good. Oh, completely. Um, I, I'm wondering, have you, obviously what you're doing is different. Have you sat and thought why it's not more usual to see uh, our Christian leaders, our church leaders on TV regularly giving their views from a, a biblical perspective? Um, I mean, why... Um, why is it unique for you to be doing that? We don't see it across, which the UK is a nation which is built on Christian values. Yeah, it used to be more normal. The BBC mm. used to do a lot of uh, faith programming. Uh, it just, I don't know what happened. We still have songs of praise, but even that's been not workified, but certainly yeah. modernized. Uh, Reverend Richard Coles made a great effort to get the Reverend Richard Coles on his byline or his lower third whenever he was on TV. So people have been doing it a long time before me, but it's not very common anymore. And it's a great shame because the polls and the research suggest that people want to see more religion on TV. They want to see more positive stories about religion on TV. Uh, but I think a lot of people are embarrassed. A lot of people are shy and afraid. Even clergymen, you know, a lot we invite bishops on all the time, but most of the time they refuse to come on TV. And I don't just mean on our political shows. Wow. I, you know, I produce uh, Christmas specials and Easter specials every year for GB News, and I'm very cautious about having myself in them. I don't want to be the center front of these specials because they're about Christ. So I've offered them to the bishops, the senior bishops in the church. They don't want them. They don't want the audience. They don't want it. It's not their people. Um, some of them are embarrassed about going on TV, and some of them are embarrassed about talking to GB News because they see it as the wrong type of people, forgetting that their calling is to disciple the nations and, and proclaim the gospel to everyone, not just people who read The Guardian. Yeah, we'll, we'll happily preach the gospel to those reading The Guardian, so I don't know that's not vice versa. But, Kat, we, we have talked, um, it might have been the first time you are with us, about your route to priesthood and how your views stopped you uh, from achieving that but i just just want to touch on that and just ask you how you did manage because people i think many people viewing will see the church of england the anglican church as the church in the uk and they don't realize or miss the many other church denominations and groups there are but you were able to step into this calling despite the best efforts of the Church of England. Um, how, how did you 
how did you manage that? Because I think what you've done is interesting. Yeah, uh, I didn't know about this. So a lot of people won't know about this either. But the Church of England is not the Anglican Church. It's just a part of the Anglican Church. Mm. Well, I mean, Anglican means the English expression of the Christian faith. It's, it's, the, it's the faith that we spread around the world mm. in our prime. But now it's coming back uh, from the places that we colonized, the places that we took the faith to. But the Anglican faith is strong all across the African continent, very faithful and orthodox over there. It's, it's also very popular in America and Canada and Australia as well. The difference being that the established church in England, the Church of England, is part of the state. Everywhere else around the world is pretty much separate. The church is separate from the state. Uh, we we have a very unique situation. But what that means is that when people think of Anglicanism in the UK, they think of the Church of England. And it's obviously been disestablished in, in Wales and Ireland and, and Scotland, but England is still established. However, there is Anglicanism all around the country and all around the world that isn't part of the Church of England. And I joined a body called GAFCON. GAFCON is Global Anglicans Future Conference. It's a group of well, essentially, a group of bishops got together in 2008 and said, you know, the church is going a bit woke. The church is kind of moving away from scripture, moving away from, away from Christ. How do we recenter it? And they said, we don't want to leave the Anglican church. We want to hold the church to account, but we also want to be faithful and we don't want to be led astray. So they joined together and, and formed this group of orthodoxy. And 70 to 80 percent of Anglicans around the world are in communion with, with, with GAFCON and with the church wow. that I'm a part of. Um, so you can remain Anglican and remain Orthodox, even if you feel like the Church of England has left you behind. And there are many, many really good, sound clergymen in the Church of England, but the bishops are all liberal, and the bishops are trying to drag the Church into apostasy. And we'll, we'll see next month what happens with the whole uh, living in love and faith debate, where the Church may come out with some way of uh, blessing um, homosexual marriages and transgender baptisms in the church both of which would be the end of the communion well i i want to get on to that and i saw uh today I think it was today you had posted and the quote from the metro was some voice their uneasiness at amanda standing alongside robinson who has previously expressed hateful remarks including that he thinks gay marriage is not marriage um and you said gay marriage is not holy matrimony uh, and you made the point, is it Metro's stance that official Christian teaching is hateful? Uh, and it was a quite a uh, intriguing article looking at the stance of mainstream publications and newspapers, what they think. But um, yeah, th that whole, how do you see that whole understanding of equating, disagreeing with uh, gay marriage, homosexual marriage as hateful? Yeah, this was fascinating today. The Metro has really shown their hand here and said that having an opinion different to the mainstream is hateful. I don't think my opinion is hateful. If it is, I'd like for them to explain how it is. But, it, but it's the opinion of the, well, it's the official doctrine and the official teaching of the church, the capital C church, all of the church, including the Church of England, that marriage is between one man and one woman. That is the sacrament of holy matrimony for the purposes of procreation, for the purposes of family and community. There's a, there's a reason behind it, and it's God-ordained. It's not it's not my opinion. I'm not making it up. It comes from Scripture. It comes from Jesus Christ. Uh, it comes from God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So I'm not entirely sure why that's classed as hateful, other than the fact that people have forgotten what Christianity is all about, or they despise Christianity. And I think it's probably a mixture of both. 
a lot of these liberals, some of them have, don't know Christian values, and therefore when they hear them for the first time, they're like, whoa, that sounds, that's different to what I'm used to, hateful. And some of them really do despise Christianity, and I think it's because it undermines their very way of life and their hedonistic, degenerates, debauched existence. Because I think we are seeing at the moment that there are, if you take away the boundaries, and I think you made the comment as well uh, the last few days, that if you take away the boundaries, which we were given right at the beginning of the Bible, that there were boundaries and what you should and should not do, that I guess society collapses into chaos. And I guess that is what we are seeing. That's what I think you're observing uh, whenever you walk away from the boundaries which are biblical yeah and i've tried for the longest time to get along with liberalism because i've got a lot of good friends who are liberals and and people see it as a generally good thing but i've come to the conclusion that it isn't and i can't get along with it because liberalism is about removing boundaries it's about individual freedom from everything Uh, but the bible teaches us we should be free to not free from uh, within constraints and constraints and boundaries are important for a whole host of reasons but i'll give you one example that I often use about liberalism in that if you are free to identify however you see fit, if you're free to say, I, as a man, I'm going to live as a woman, or I, as a mixed race man, I'm going to live as a Chinese man. Why are you not free to also go down the same logic and say, I, as a uh, 50 year old man, I'm going to live as a 12 year old girl. Who's to say that you can't do that? Why? Where, where are those boundaries? And of course, if a 50 year old man can live as a 12 year old girl, what's to suggest that he can't have a relationship with another 12 year old girl, whether that's someone who identifies as 12 or is naturally biologically 12? Liberalism removes those boundaries of biology through, through what? What logic is based on? Our own personal feelings. Feelings do not trump facts. Yeah. You know, the old, the old Ben Shapiro line is rooted in, in wisdom because it means something to be physically 50 or physically 12, just as it means something to be physically male or physically female. And, you know, we can argue about whether these are social constructs or not. And some of them are more so than others, but they mean something and they're boundaries that we've been given to live within. And that, those boundaries give us freedom to live our life. It gives me freedom as a man to to live under the social expectations of, actually, I know what it means to be a male. I know what it means to be a man. I know what I need to do to improve my life, to improve the life of my family and the people in our community. And those expectations are important because we don't get to define our identity. The world around us defines us for a reason, because as a man, I'm stronger than a woman. Therefore, I should be doing something more. I should be contributing in a different way to what a woman can contribute. I cannot give birth. A woman can. Therefore, she should be contributing in a different way to what I can. All of these things sound really old-fashioned for a reason because they are the wisdom that we've known for millennia. I like. I guess it's selfishness is the term that kind of comes in, that if you do whatever is in your head irrespective of uh, what happens around you and the implications on others, then it is, a, I guess, a lawless society if the law is what you feel that day yeah it is liberalism is rooted in selfishness and i think the, the american example is also you know the, the pursuit of happiness it's that is what we're living for to be happy and i don't think that's true i don't think because first of all being happy is a state of mind but secondly your happiness affects people around you and if you say that i want you know 33 cars that's what's going to make me happy great but how are you contributing to society how are you making the world a better place even if it's just your own personal family and not the, the larger community, what are you doing to improve anything or anyone other than your own personal happiness? It's a selfish way of life. Yeah, I, and I, I, 
I think something that comes in, which I've watched and tried to scratch my head about, is the which is slightly off to a tangent, is the whole um, Andrew Tate thing. And I think whenever you give advice to others and you put forward what it is to be and is a, a man, masculine, um, then that's I think something that's lacking in society and it doesn't mean that brutish forcefulness or having everything it's uh um i guess masculinity is about caring for others looking after protecting um and i guess those traits are no longer promoted or encouraged or in our education system certainly not no that's that is just it peter like we are stronger so that we can protect we're not stronger so that we can crush and people, you know, Andrew takes a great example because he, he'll go on and say, you are worthless, you're a loser, you are poor, your woman hates you. And like that is pulling people down in order to pull yeah. himself up. That's an insecurity, quite clear. You know, when he says, I've got 33 cars, one of them is a Bugatti, that's also what, it doesn't mean anything. You're trying to bring yourself up by your ego because you're a lonely, insecure, vulnerable man. And you don't understand what it means to be a man. To be a man is to be a gentleman. It is to protect, provide, and care for people who are more vulnerable than yourself. That is a true man. That is why we have strength. I mean, is it where we are that we've, we talk about counter liberalism, but it it really also is about the uh, rejection of, of truth. Um, and we know when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, there are absolutes. And Jesus uh, presents those absolutes and is those absolutes. But if society doesn't own it, and that seems to be when you talk to uh, a young generation coming through schools and the concept of truth, the concept of uh, of diversity is yeah. there, the concept of inclusion, but the concept of truth is yeah. is not there. And that seems to be completely lacking from the conversation. Yeah, the concept of, of truth is missing. And that means the other concepts don't follow true either because that people don't know what truth is so people say i'm for diversity like this woman in the metro today i think i'll, I'll cover the backstory for people that don't know yeah um i popped into the studio on saturday to do a pre-record with david starkey to go out on sunday so i wasn't there to go on air i wasn't on air with anyone uh but passing through the green room this agent comes up to me and says, hey do you want to get a photo of these people i was like can do sure <laughs> people often want to take photos it's, it's a nice thing to do for people yeah and she goes um have you seen what was it called? Treasure and um, what's the traitor? Thank you. Have you seen traitors? Although I haven't seen it, so let me just put right. that right there. Have you seen traitors <laughs> on BBC Two or something? I was like, no, I don't watch the BBC. It's just oh, because these two are on it. I was like, oh, so, oh, I felt bad then because I didn't know. <laughs> you should have introduced them first rather than saying, have you seen this show? Yeah. Of course, I don't watch the BBC. Anyone who knows anything about me knows I don't watch the BBC. But. So I took a photograph with these actors, or I think I assume it's actors. I don't know if it's reality TV or what, but I took a photo with these people from Traitors. I said hello to the, the gentleman. I didn't say anything to the woman because I was rushing through and she'd already gone started a conversation with someone else. So I took a photo, said hello, carried on with my business, with my recording. And now this, this woman, uh, well, the photograph was posted online. And this woman had received a load of backlash from the woke mob who's, how dare you be on GB News? Don't you know it's full of bigots like Calvin Robertson? And then she was like, oh, I apologize for sitting next to him on, on, on the TV. I didn't know who he was. Uh, I'm like, I didn't sit next to you. I don't know. Huh? Anyway, half truths and whatnot. But the, the, the point I'm making there is that she, she said, I, I'm for diversity and yeah. equality. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have been there if I'd have known what they're about. And I'm like, you are undermining your statement in the very sentence, the very same sentence. I am for diversity. I would not have been there if I'd have known. What? If you'd have known what? We, 
the channel itself is for diversity. We have people from the left and people from the right on every panel. I personally, I'm not for diversity, but if you are, you should respect my view as a Christian, a Christian minister, being different to your own. If you are truly for diversity, you should listen to my view and take it on board and disagree with it if you want to. But to say you're for, di for diversity and then in the same breath say, I wouldn't have been seen with him or on the channel if I'd have known, it just shows me they do not know what truth is. They don't, don't know what the words mean that they're using. I thought the picture was very diverse. You had a mixture of gender, <laughs> of color, of height. It was quite a, a diverse picture, I thought. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, but can, what, when you, I guess, look at the church um, in the UK, what are your uh, what are your thoughts? Because there is this uh, falsehood, this lie that's come in um, and removed that. I am the way. Well, there is no world way. I'm the truth. What is truth? And life, well, life doesn't mean anything. It's just a stronger survive. And that's been completely removed. And there doesn't seem to be much voice from the, the church itself to combat that. And I know from being in sitting many times in the gallery in the House of Lords and you see the wet bishops led by wet Welby and you think, mm, is this... I mean, the, the conversation is generally more about environmentalism and plastic bags than it is about the sanctity of life or what truth is. Um, and kind of, how do you how do you see that and kind of the the pushback to that? It worries me. It really does. I, I can't see how the Church of England can survive, and even with my backstory and everything that happened, and, and need and want it to survive. It's important that it, we have a church in this country that is there for people when they need it. But the bishops, they have gone entirely wet, moist, liberal, whatever word you want to use. They, you know, they'll they'll shout out against the government's government's Rwanda policy, but then they don't say anything at all when a priest goes on social media and says, "I identify as non-binary," yeah. whilst dressing as a woman, which suggests to me that he identifies as a woman rather than a man. Or anyway, I don't get the whole non-binary thing. I don't. I barely get the trans thing, but it doesn't matter what he's saying because he's saying that he's changing scripture. He said, "I read Genesis." And it told me uh, that God actually meant uh, I made man from maleness to femaleness. And I read Genesis again. I thought, no, it clearly says here, God made them in his image. God made them male and female. Uh, you are changing the word of God. Scripture is God breathed. It is the word of God. So for you to have the audacity or the arrogance to think that you, you can see it in a different way to not only 2,000 years of Christian including the Christian father, the church fathers and the apostles, but to say that you you can rewrite the word of, of God the Father that is written there in Genesis is, is astonishing. Um, and for the bishops to say nothing about it, not one of them have has disciplined any heretic recently, and we've seen lots of these people. We've seen today there's another post on social media of an altar where they have a new altar frontal that is the, the trans, the, the racial trans flag. Wow. putting politics on the altar of God. Uh, I mean, it's clearly an affront to God. It's clearly politicizing the Eucharist, the sacraments, the blessed sacraments, and no one cares. The bishops let them get away with it. However, the, the government, the conservative government, says something they disagree with, and they're all there straight away with their whips. Like They, they forget what their job is. And the ones that do speak out, speak out for, for heresy and blasphemy. And what we had... Stephen Croft, the Bishop of Oxford, come out and say he wants to support gay marriage um, within the church. It's like, oh, you, you can support gay marriage or you can support the church. The two things yep. are mutually exclusive. 
And then we had nine other bishops come out and say, we support Stephen Croft. It's like, where are the bishops that are saying, no, you cannot change scripture, you cannot change Christian doctrine, you cannot twist the faith or update the faith for modern societal norms. It doesn't work like that. The faith is the faith. Either you believe it or you don't. And I'm, I'm not a, a Puritan to say either you follow it or you don't, because people, we all falter, we all make mistakes. None of us are, are, are holy, none of us are pure. But we should at least be striving towards holiness. We should be striving towards fulfilling uh, the faith properly. So to to actually have these wolves leading their flock astray is well, it's demonic. It's, the, it's you know, is it? Are we seeing the the time of the Antichrist? Mm. Well, yes, and and certainly, I think you'd also put up about. The response of the church to children and children should be looked after should be protected from every new fad or new thinking that to give them that ability to to grow up and understand themselves but then i think you have the um what is it their new school guidance on ident uh, on um supporting children who accept their own gender identity um children children don't know what their favorite lunch is or who their favorite friend is that week or i mean the whole thing is that children should have a space where they can understand themselves as they grew up and that was um to me that was really concerning that the the church fiend is now stepping over to saying well if a child wants to identify as whatever um we will accept that and it seems there are no protections at all from the church especially when you look at children I know the the policy of the Church of England is that children as young as five should be able to choose their identity and a self ID as whatever gender they see fit. Well, I mean, first of all, the Church's stance should be rooted in Scripture, which is there are two genders and you can't change your gender. You God made you in the image of Him and He made you the way you're supposed to be. But even if you did agree that people could change gender, which is an unChristian idea surely you would only want people over the age of 18 who are adults under law to be able to make decisions of what life-altering decisions of cosmetic surgery and, and um, hormone changing drugs i don't understand how anyone could affirm a five-year-old making that decision a five-year-old literally doesn't know if they want chicken nugget or big mac with their mcdonald's or you know they can identify as a horse one day or, or a sheep the next because they are full of imagination of fun and exploring the world around them we're supposed to help them by putting boundaries in place for them. And this is the whole stupidity of liberalism again, isn't it? Removing those boundaries from everyone, including children. And that's going to cause children harm. And the, the church should know better. We should know better about safeguarding young people. And this, this is the thing that really, really gets me angry. Every time I talk about uh, something about protecting children, the response from the left is always, how can you talk about children? You're a part of the church. The church is full of pedophiles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There are, there are many paedophiles in the world, and paedophiles go to places where they have access to children. Mm. Uh, I would say, argue that it's probably no longer the church because of all the scandals that have gone gone on. And we'll see more paedophiles in places like um, drag queen story hours and and uh, and drag queen after hours for children and uh, for anyone that kind of thing. But just suggesting that you want to safeguard young people, everyone should be on board with that. Everyone should be getting behind it, no matter where the message is coming from. It's almost almost as if these lefties want to say, don't talk about safeguarding children because we are, we know what's going on and we don't want to expose it because it will undermine a whole, whole, whole argument, which I think is the truth, in that they're pushing so hard with these um, 
these tr the trans movement that we have in pride parades, people pretty, pretty much exposing themselves naked, gyrating, doing all kinds of nastiness in front of young people. We've got them inviting young people along. We've, we've seen the videos of them letting kids put dollar bills in their in their cleavage and in their g-strings. Uh, mostly, that stuff is happening in America, but it's also coming over here too. And we've, we've seen more and more that drag queens want to be in classrooms around children, reading to them. And uh, you know, I pose that question: st stop asking why children need access to drag queens, and keep and start asking why drag queens are so keen to be around children because it, it's adult entertainment. And again, the hard left come back every time I say this. Say, what? Why do you hate pantomimes? Like, come on, are you being dense? Are you being obtuse? No one equates pantomimes with drag queens. A pantomime is part of a children's entertainment package where it's very clearly a, a man dressed up as an ugly woman and that there's the whole joke around that. Whereas a drag queen is a sexualized adult entertainment, 18 plus uh, performance that is not for children. And if people can't see the difference, then I think they've lost their sense of morality or... They're hiding something and, and, and deflecting on purpose. Yeah, because I've I've thought the the left's hypocrisy, and you pointed out that um, they're happy to point out a failure in one area of society, but not happy to point out a failure in in a different area, and they seem to close their eyes to that. Mm. Um, and I I've scratched my head as we have seen this get worse and worse, and wonder, especially has begun to bring children on board and abuse children in that way. Um, and yet the left don't seem to have a, I mean, the left are human beings. They've got a brain. They can think just like any person on the planet earth. And yet they don't seem to be able to engage that level of logical thinking. And I don't know. Yeah. Hard. When you look at it like that, um, how do you kind of perceive what is behind that or why, um, the blindness is in one side, but not the other. The ideology is more important to them than children. And we see this because it's parents taking their children to these events. It's parents teaching their children about drag queens and trans people and all this stuff at such a young age where it's age inappropriate. It's because the ideology for them is more important to them than the next generation. And or they want to indoctrinate the next generation into their ideology. And they know naturally they won't win. Therefore, they have to force it upon kids. They can't win the argument against you and I. They can't because we're rooted in truth, we're rooted in logic, and we're rooted in faith. And their argument falls apart in all of those elements. So they'll, what they'll do instead is indoctrinate young people who are vulnerable and uh, impressive. When, when we look at Reverend Bingo, or whatever he, she, it is, um, how... Because I, whenever you have the the leadership, whenever they're liberal, but then whenever they completely take on that untruth, that failing, that perverseness, and it's it's blatant. Um, how kind of how does that? Is there a pushback? Because I can imagine members of congregations up and down the country that think, well, you know, my church leader, he. Um, he thinks that you know abortion is okay in some ways, and I I don't really want to challenge that because I enjoy the children's ministry, or uh, you know they they pick and choose. But once the sin, I guess, is there, blatant in front of you, um, I'm wondering whether that will be the thing that tips the balance. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think people just stop going. Normal people stop going. The church that posted today with the altar frontal uh, of the uh, transracial flag. 
Uh, I saw comments of people that saying, I, I looked for a church, I was in the area, I popped in and they had some weird service on, so I left, I didn't, I didn't know what it was. So I think normal people don't go. And what happens is they build a cult and the people that attend these, these churches are, are all a part of this trans woke cult. And they love it because they're worshipping each other and worshipping themselves rather than worshipping God, which is the whole point of replacing God on the altar with, with their silly flag. But yeah, I don't think it will take off massively. They are a niche and they live in their own kind of echo chamber. But even that's damaging because if one person does walk into that church and hears a false message, it could either turn them away from Christ or it could mess up their life. How, how does the church fit into the education system because obviously for those watching from outside the uk uh, we have a system whereby the the church of england is actually has a sizable chunk of the schools i don't know what might be what a third or a quarter um and then you've got catholic schools as well roman catholic schools um how does um i mean the problem is going back to the education but yet you would think a country that has a education that has schools that are based on church teachings actually that would protect the society from uh the mess we're in but that that hasn't happened that education system has not worked as it should have no because the schools aren't based on a christian education anymore that's the problem in fact all schools in the land by law should be teaching uh, should have some kind of active worship uh, with a uniquely Christian uh, element to it every day. But they don't. No one does it, and it's not enforced. Uh, we used to have hymns when I was in school. We used to say the Lord's Prayer. None of that happens anymore. And, I, you know, I've consulted for over 200 schools across the country. I've, of course, I've taught and been senior leadership and governor in schools as well. And I've seen a lot of schools, and it's just not happening anywhere, even in, especially in Church of England schools, because they make such a, you know, they they have these mental gymnastics they make such an effort of being non-christian we don't want to offend yes we're a church of england school but we're not a faith school you know we're not a christian school everyone is welcome the catholics don't do that thankfully um but most catholics in this country are lapsed so it's not still not uh, that faithful but at least when the catholics set up a school they say you need to be catholic to work in this school which makes sense because you know what values they're coming with we should do the same in the church of england say if you're working in a church of england school you have to be a christian um but none of that happens and so Christ is left out of the situation and Church of England schools are mostly just normal, comprehensive state schools, which is probably why they're failing, not just academically, but also spiritually. And, and we're not sending people out to be good Christians and to disciple the nations. Yeah. Can, can I ask you what you thought looking uh, across the English Channel all the way over to the Vatican, uh, the, the scenes we've seen there? Uh, with the the death of what Pope Benedict the whatever fifteenth sixteenth, um, and uh, I talked to some people this week. Um, person we had on Saturday, Ben Hornwell, was there reporting uh, uh, for the funeral. Um, how do you look on as someone who has um, been ordained or on the process of ordination uh, when you look over to the Catholic? Because many in the church think actually that's where the salvation will come for want of a better word but that's where the the hope will come for a, a strong church what what are your thoughts as you look over to rome and how that fits into the wider church uh i'm sad i'm very very saddened first of all by by um benedict's death i think he was a good man a good sensible christian however 
I'm now worried because he was a traditionalist. He was holding back the tide of the liberal progressives, even just by being around. And now Pope Francis will have his way, I, I believe. I think he is a liberal. I think the people around him are liberal. And I think he's going to cause more harm to the church. We, you know, the, There's a piece in the Catholic Herald today of how heartbroken Benedict was when Francis um, pretty much outlawed the traditional mass, the Latin mass. Uh, the, decisions like that are incredulous. I can't understand how someone would say, you are no longer allowed to celebrate the mass in this style. You have to celebrate it in a particular style. Like if the Latin mass, first of all, it's universal. So it doesn't matter where you go in the world, you can understand it and you know what's going on. But secondly, if that's what people know, if that's what how, the way that people come to love Christ, well, that, that's a good thing. That is absolutely a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but th that's just one manifestation of what I'm talking about. And I worry where the church will go because he's quite woke, quite a communist in his politics yeah. uh, and quite liberal in his theology. So I don't know. I, I, I hope the next Pope is someone like Cardinal Sarah, who is very orthodox, very sound. Yeah. Uh, but if, if it is, the Catholic Church could be that unifying factor of, of Christianity around the world because Catholicity is still growing around the world. And I pray for Christian unity every day. I hope that the church can reunite. I know the Protestants out there will be very upset with me saying that, but, you know, I'm an Anglican because I believe in the, the church universal, the, the one Catholic and apostolic church. I, I'm not... A, an Anglican because I'm a Protestant. I'm not protesting against Catholicism. I believe we are all Catholics. And I believe the Reformation was important because Rome was corrupt and Rome was erring or erroring, however you want to say it. However, that doesn't mean that I think everything we should do should be in a reaction to them. I think that's wrong. I think the point of the Reformation was about fixing those errors, correcting them, and re, uh, resynchronizing with the Bible as, as the authority. Um, we, we made a bit of an impact, not, not fully. There's still a lot of work for him to do. But however, however, if the church does unite around the world, I think it will be around Catholicism. And I think that's important. Um, because it is the, the church's strong. You see in, in Latin America, you see in, in parts of Africa, you see parts of Asia, uh, and it is the European North American one, I guess, which Christians haven't faced any type of persecution or haven't had to understand what their faith means in a difficult environment it's been too easy um and i think in the west we are seeing the outcome of an easy christianity in a society that supposedly uh, you have freedom and therefore you do, you know you don't have to choose whether your faith or something else in society it's actually kind of the same um so i'm probably thinking that the the, the rise of a strong church will come from parts of the, the world that maybe we haven't expected it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I mentioned earlier that we sent out missionaries around the world uh, at the peak of our empire. And I think now it's time for those missionaries to come back and evangelize us. You know, the, the strong, uh, faithful, both Anglicans and Catholics and Orthodox around the African continent need to come back to the UK and actually teach us and remind us how to be Christians, uh, not just our clergymen, but our laity as well. I think we've all forgotten what it means okay. to live a life in Christ. Uh, the people that identify as Christian in this country are quiet about it. Hmm. We don't, we're not open 
in our faith. So we're not discipling the nations. We're not going along with the Great Commission. We think it's a very personal thing. It's just, you know, it's my faith. Yeah, I don't, that's not what Christianity is or should be. It should be a very, it should be a shining light, a shining light in the ever darkening world around us. It should be an attractive alternative to people in the, the nastiness of the everyday day life that they see. They should be like, why is his life better? Oh, because he's a Christian. He's trying to live a life in Christ. I want some of that. And we're not attracting people in the UK because we're all hiding it. We're hiding our faith. Um, just to finish off on that, uh, I think you certainly make your faith public. And I was, uh, w- was it on Sunday where you were discussing the issue of male and female gender and you got out your Bible and you read from Genesis where God made male and female. Um, I I think just to finish off, I mean, let us know to our viewers and listeners why you have that confidence and boldness, because there probably are many. Actually, it was uh, after the, um, was it the death of the Queen or could have been the death of the Pope and um, the conversations and there were some people on, I don't know what I was, it could have been Sky could have been something else. And some of the commentators were saying, well, I, I grew up a Roman Catholic and such and such. And suddenly, for the first time, I heard people talking about a faith that they mm. have or had. But for you personally, why why are you, uh, why do you have the confidence, I guess, and boldness to do that, knowing that that actually may be detrimental to any career in journalism? Uh, I think it's because it's what I pray for, but also I think if God is using me for anything, it's using me as an example um, to try and I think to give courage to other people to do the same because we have to normalize these behaviors. So you have to see someone doing it for you to be able to think, oh, actually, I can do it myself. You know, when I started at GB News, there were other Christians on the channel who would never say so on air. And if they did talk about their faith, they'd say things like, I'm a God botherer or whatever, like that kind of self degenerate, self denigrating kind of yeah. language. And I said to them, you know, stop that. Say you're a Christian. I'm not saying be proud of it, but but own it and identify it. You know, people can identify as whatever the hell they like now. So surely you can identify as Christian. You don't have to put yourself down. Your faith is important to you. And they did. And and I think just that that person saying it and me saying it, that's two. <laughs> you know, these things multiply. And every time I do quote from scripture or say a prayer online, people get in touch and say, thank you for doing that. It reminded me of this, that, or the other, or it put me back in touch with my faith or enabled me to have a conversation about my faith. We just give people permission to be themselves, don't we? And we've got to normalize Christianity again. You know, the vast majority of the people in this country used to identify as Christian. Now it's a minority, but I don't think people's faith has changed. I just think the way people see Christianity in themselves and in the world around them has changed. Yeah. Oh, completely. Calvin, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, people can find you, what is it, 3 o'clock on GB News on Sundays? Yeah, 3 p.m. on GB News. Tune in on uh, Sky, Virgin, whatever. It's also on YouTube, and you can get the app and watch on the app as well if you like. Fantastic. Um, Calvin, thank you for coming on. Always good to have you on, and thank you for sharing your thoughts on, um, on those issues within the church, certainly from your perspective, both as a a christian church leader and also from your media perspective so thank you for your time today my absolute pleasure peter and thank you for all i've been watching the comments come through wonderful comments uh, from everyone especially on youtube so thank you for those god bless you all
I see. Everyone loves Calvin. I think that's the general as I'm glancing out of the side. But um, let me just finish off with our viewers and listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in and watching. If you don't watch GB News, then you can catch Calvin at three o'clock on Sunday. And of course, watch it after on, uh, I'm sure, YouTube or wherever else. But if you're at home, then why not click on, turn on your TV? And what else would you be watching news-wise than Calvin on GB News? So three o'clock on Sunday. Um, thank you for tuning in uh, to our viewers. Have a wonderful rest of your evening. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in, listening on the go. And we will see you on Thursday with Tara Dahl, who's a friend from the States. Uh, she was Michelle Bachman's uh, chief of staff and also served in the White House. And she'll be joining us to look at US politics looking across the pond. So tune in on Thursday for Terra. But on that, I wish our listeners and viewers a wonderful rest of your evening. I will see you back on Thursday. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.